So y'all keep y'all keep me on my toes. <laughs> I need it for sure. That's that's for sure. All right. Well, look. This morning we'll start in Matthew chapter five. Um, going to look over a couple of things, kind of in line with what we've been looking at. We've been looking over uh, sporadically over the life of Jesus and uh, some things that he preaches and teaches there that I think is important for us to understand and to be able to apply today. Of course, we live according to the, we should live according to the example of that the Lord provided for us there. Um, but these words are, are, are good for our encouragement and strengthening of our service to the Lord. So we'll start in Matthew chapter five and verse 17 of course it's in the middle of a thought here but it's it's nonetheless important it says think not that i am come to destroy the law or the prophets i am come to destroy but to fulfill very early i say unto you till heaven and earth pass pass one jot or tittle shall not no wise pass from the law till it be fulfilled whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and teach uh, shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. Ye have heard it, that it is said of them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of judgment. But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without cause shall endanger the, uh, be in danger of judgment. And whosoever shall be to his, say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of counsel. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shalt be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave therefore the gift at the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled with thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Agree that thine adversary quickly, whilst thou art in the way with him, lest any time the adversary deliver you to the judge, and the judge deliver thee unto the officer, and thou shalt be cast to prison. Verily I say unto thee, that thou shalt be by no means come out thence, till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. Ye have heard that it was said of them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in, her, in his heart. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast from thee, for it is profitable that, thee, that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it off from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that the whole body should be cast into hell. It hath been said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, let him have a writ of divorce. But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, save for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever marrieth her that is divorced committeth adultery. Again, ye have heard that it hath been said of them, And swear thyself, but thou shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you, Swear not either by heaven, <clears throat> neither by heaven, for it is the God's throne, nor by earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by the head, nor canst thou make one hair white or black. But let your communication be yea, 
And nay, for whatsoever is more than these that cometh of evil. And I'll stop there. You're like, that's a lot to bite off and chew, isn't it? The Lord here was preaching to the multitude, and he begins off with, you know, Beatitudes. Blessed are they, you know, blessed are they that are poor in spirit, for theirs is the king of heaven, and so on and so forth. I won't read the whole account there, because we'll be going way too long today. I won't be able to keep your attention. <laughs> uh, so, Jesus here is regarding his teaching here to this multitude. Mentions something very interesting there in the, the, the 17th verse. He says, Think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets, and I am come to destroy, not to destroy, but to fulfill. We mentioned earlier this week about the law, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes there were so, mainly the Pharisees because they were teachers, got caught up in the law and the, in the writing of the law and they thought that the law would save them, but rather that's not what the, the case of the law is. But what is Jesus trying to tell them here? I didn't come to destroy the law and to tear up everything that you've been teaching and going on, but I came to fulfill it. That was the purpose there. He didn't want to lose these, these Pharisees and Sadducees that were brethren. He didn't want to lose those, but he wanted to get their attention. I, I haven't come to destroy what you're, what you're doing, but I've come to fulfill it. He wanted them to understand that he meant no harm. But he come for what? For the purpose of salvation. To redeem the creation back to the way the Lord wanted it to be redeemed back to. He was there to fulfill the prophecies that have been declared by the prophets of old regarding the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. His charge was then for, for those to keep the law until its fulfillment. And in his death, burial, and resurrection, then a new order and a new way would be established. He taught and spoke there Verse 20 specifically, he mentions, For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. That's very odd, don't you think? In his teaching there, he says that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, the same people he's been preaching and teaching regarding how they conduct their lives. That's a warning there to me. Uh, they were they were righteous according to the law, weren't they? They did they lived every jot and tittle there. But that wasn't the full intention, was it? Due to their blind faith to the law, not to the Lord, they were blinded to the goodness of Jesus. They were blinded to the gift that he was going to bring to us and to them at the time. And then he goes on there. He says, Ye shall not in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven if your righteousness doesn't exceed that of the Pharisees and Sadducees. What was that? It was a warning. It was a warning to be careful. What do you mean? 
We are to have an intentional faith, right? In the Lord. But he was warning them to be careful how they carried it out. Not to get caught up in too much of the law. Let's look at Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. I'll read there starting in verse 45 of the 12th chapter. But and if that servant say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat the men's servants and the maid's servants, and to eat and to drink and to be drunken, the Lord of that servant will come in the day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour which he is not aware, and will cut him in asunder, and will appoint to him the portion with unbelievers. And a servant with which knew his Lord's will, and prepared him not for himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not and did not uh, commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For who unto whomsoever much is given, of him much will be required. And to whom men have committed much, of him will be asked the more. I am come to send fire on the earth. What will I, if it be already kindled? But I have a, a baptism to be baptized with, and how am I to be straightened till it be accomplished? Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth, to tell you nay, but rather division. For from henceforth there shall be five in one house, divided three against two, and two against three. The father shall be divided against the son, the son against the father, the mother against daughter, and the daughter against mother. The mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And he said unto the people, when ye see a cloud rise out of the west straightway and say, There cometh the shower, and so is. <clears throat> and when ye see the south wind blow, yet there to be the heat, it cometh to pass. Ye hypocrites, ye cannot discern the face of the sky and of the earth. But how is it that ye do not discern the time? Yea, and when even yourselves judge ye not what is right, when thou goest to thine adversary, to the magistrate, and as... Thou art in the way, give diligence that thou mayest be delivered from him, lest he hail thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and the officer cast thee unto the prison. I tell thee that thou shalt not depart thence until thou paid the very last might. Jesus' reproach in response to the teachings there, of course this is a similar passage of what we read earlier, but just a different accounting here in Luke. He says there in verse 45, But and if that servant say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat the men servants and the maid servants, and to eat and to drink and to be drunken, the Lord of the servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him, and at an hour which he is not aware, and will cut him asunder, and will appoint him a portion with the unbelievers. Jesus' rebuke here and in his teaching was for them, the servant, not to take more authority on themselves than they had and to be only concerned with doing and administering the deeds of the master. But you see here in that first verse, the master says, I'll he delay him coming and I'm going to begin to beat his fellow manservants and maidservants. I see a similar parallel there with the Pharisees. They began to take authority, which they didn't have, and apply it and use it to to 
basically be the religious police of their time. They were so caught up in administering the law that they lost sight of what it was that was so precious, which was faith in, in the Lord. They began to believe that the letter would save them rather than who? Than the, than the Messiah that was to come. Do you see a parallelism there between us now and them then? We are not better than the Pharisees and the Sadducees of their time or the scribes. I had a recent study with a couple of uh, a couple of brethren. I had another pastor. And one of the things I found interesting, he told me, he says, you, you look at the scripture there and you read what it talks about the Pharisees and he, him rebuking them. He says, you take out their name and put ours in its place. And he says, still applicable. It, the scripture applies to us. We're the Lord's people. He says, and you look at it and you read it. And he says, you see a parallelism there between us and them. He says, that just goes to show us we're no different. That the only difference is that we're latter in time than they were. The warning there was for us to not think of us as something that we're not. We're servants of the Lord. We're not rulers and judge and king over all of the earth. The Lord is. He doesn't need anybody else to do that. He does it himself. Why? Because the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes were all guilty of doing what? They put to death the prophets that proclaimed that the Messiah would come and deliver them. They also prophesied against them because of their ill will against God and their disobedience. And guess what? When they preached against them, what did they do? They stoned them. They killed them. And Jesus rebuked them for that too. He says, your forefathers killed the prophets. And he says, you're out here decorating their their tombs, (laughs) basically. Let's look at Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23. I apologize, but it is a little bit of a long reading, but I'm trying to, I'll try to get through this. So it says, verse 1 there, chapter 23. It says, Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying that the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, and therefore whatsoever they bid, you observe, and that observe and do. But do not ye after their work, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and they lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all the works they do for their to be their seen of men, and that they make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments, and love the uppermost rooms at feasts and chief seats in the synagogues, and greetings in the marketplace, and to be called of the men rabbi, rabbi. But be ye not called rabbis, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. Call no man your father upon earth, for there is one Father which is in heaven. Neither be ye masters, for one of you, uh, one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for ye ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them to enter to go in. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees! Ye ye devour widows' houses for a pretense to make long prayer. Therefore ye receive 
the greater damnation. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you can pass sea and land to make one proselyte. And when he has made, you make him twofold more a child of hell than yourselves. I'll stop there for just a moment. So this particular account here of Jesus speaking to the multitude, he gives a scorching rebuke to the Pharisees. He says, you esteem your position up here and you lay burdens on new converts that you yourselves aren't willing to move one finger to do. What makes you any better? What makes us any better? No, there's nothing that makes us any better than any one person on this earth. We are what? We're to be subject to Christ. That's what the scripture tells us. He says, who the chief among us? Christ is. The all, all of them were there thinking of themselves that they were above others in study and in teaching. But they prohibited others from knowing God because of how they dressed or how they looked, their social status. I think of the account there in the gospel there where the man was there trying to get into the pool there at Bethsaid. And he tried and he tried and he tried and he couldn't get there. And Jesus come and told him to be healed. And what? The Pharisees were right there on him. Who did, who did this? What manner of what manner of man did this basically? And they were rebuking him. He's like, you can't move your mat on the Sabbath day. What did the guy tell him? Jesus healed me. You know, that's what he was excited about. And we find that very interesting, don't we? That the Pharisees were right there on him. The man that would come to save the whole world from their sins, they delivered a man from his illness because he believed in Jesus and they were there on him because he was moving on the Sabbath day. They were wanting to uphold the law. I applaud their zeal, but their intention was misplaced. They were so blinded to the fact that Jesus had just healed a man but yet they wanted to consider it unlawful for him to heal him on the Sabbath day when he was doing the work of God. Parallelism here. We want to know someone's uh, pedigree, religious pedigree, know where they've been, where they went to church, where they were baptized, what their belief was. Letting them sing. We won't let them do that but they want to come and honor and glorify God. We need to be careful as the Lord's people not to put ourselves as religious police, but that we would bid those who have a desire and earnest, earnest desire to serve the Lord with all their heart to come. Rather than to be the spiritual police and executioner for those people who we deem not fit. Like what you said, we're supposed to we're supposed to uh, minister to those, even the homeless, those people that are considered strangers. Why? Because they're God's creation, aren't they? We're charged with, what? Dispensing the gospel, aren't we? To be in light, to be an example to others. But yet here we saw that the Pharisees squashed a lot of that. They squashed a lot of the zeal and desire by their attitude. 
and by their heart. The very thing that they wanted to uphold, they squashed. Because they had bound themselves in a box and, and couldn't get out because they lacked the faith to see it. There is no limitation on who can come to the Lord. Not skin color, not clothing, not status of life. That was Jesus' teaching. Why do you think he had rich men and fishermen and, and tax collectors? They were from all manner and walks of life. But Jesus found something in them that no one else saw. A heart and a desire to please the Lord. And not themselves. We don't need to know a person's physical or spiritual pedigree. We just need to see that, that, what, that the Lord judges the heart of men. I heard a brother this week say, be cautious, not foolish. in accepting others. Too often we spiritually beat people for their progress in serving the Lord. But yet we understand that when people come, they may only have a partial understanding or maybe just the slightest of understanding, if none at all. They may know about Noah. They may know about Jonah. They may know about David or Daniel. They may know about the birth of Jesus. But what is our duty? To uphold the teachings of the Lord. And maybe through us, we can teach them about the life of Jesus and what happened and how it is that they're supposed to come to the Lord and be obedient and serve him. And that life is only in him, in the church. And not be so quick to turn a brother off just because they don't believe exactly the way we do because we might earn a brother or sister through that. Let's look at um, Acts chapter 19 and applying what we just talked about. Acts chapter 19. Jesus, uh, we see the account of scriptures and uh, we've talked about it in the past couple weeks. He healed lepers because they had a faith and a desire to serve him. They were hindered by their physical limitations and how the law applied to them. They had to be outside the camp. And he told them to go and present yourself to the priest and be clean. Let's look at Acts chapter 19 and verse 1. It says, And it came to pass that while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul, having uh, having passed through the uh, upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not no such manner heard whether there be any Holy Spirit. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And he said unto them, John's baptism. And they said, Paul, verily baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the manner of the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And all men were about twelve. 
And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly the space of three guns, disputing and persuading these things concerning the kingdom. <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> and he came, he went into the synagogue and excuse me, and but when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in, a, in the school of one Tyrannus. And he continued by the space of two years, so that all that they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. And so that they were, body were brought unto the sick, uh, handkerchiefs and of aprons and of deceased, departed from them, and the evil spirits went out from them. And I'll stop there. Uh, I may have missed a spot, but Apollos was preaching the baptism, uh, preaching about baptism. He's going through their teaching in the same spot that Paul passed through. But I know specifically that Paul reasoned with him concerning the Scripture because he only knew a part of the life of Jesus and the life of John. But Paul taught him concerning those things until he had a more thorough understanding. We hear that Apollos talked about later in the Scripture regarding divisions in the church, which we've studied in 1 Corinthians. But what was the most important thing there? Paulus didn't have a more thorough understanding of what was going on there, but Paul taught him concerning those things. And those believers which heard regarding the baptism of John, what? When they heard more about it, they went and were baptized in the name of Jesus. And they received the Spirit. Do you not see something there too that we talked about? It's our responsibility to teach and preach and proclaim the gospel here and be a light to those around us but not to squash it when they don't have the understanding that we do. I've seen it in times past where we've hornswoggled and beat people over the head because they didn't believe exactly like we did. We here concerning the, the doctrine, once saved, always saved. Maybe we need to be the ones to show them the better way. That it does require continuous faithful service and a desire to serve the Lord and be changed into His likeness. Or maybe show grace where it's needed. Like Jesus did at the woman at the well. Where despite their sins and despite their upbringing, despite the, the things that they've been through, that the Lord still finds worth in them serving Him. Again, what does the Scripture say? He doesn't desire that anyone should fall short but that all that have an opportunity to serve him, right? I know I paraphrased there, but that's the gist of the verse there that he, where he's teaching there. This is a legitimate question. Do we expect others to know have the level of maturity that we do in Christ when they come to serve the Lord? We shouldn't. We should be willing to be a vessel to teach them and to show them the better way. That's, after all, what the gospel was presented for and what Jesus led his life and died for us to, to do. That was what he commissioned the apostles and the disciples there to do there. Go ye therefore and, what? Preach, teach, baptize, do those things? Jude chapter 1. Of course, Jude's only one chapter anyway, so 
out of habit, you write down first chapter, dot, dot, then your verses there. Seventeenth verse of Jude. He says, But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How that they told you that there which should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. But ye, beloved, build up yourselves on the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some having compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto them that is able to keep you from falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the one, one wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both forever and ever. Amen. What an encouragement there that we, that we read. Encouragement not to beat or to squash the desire, the zeal to serve the Lord. But he says what? Build up. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Waiting anxiously for the return of the Lord. Being merciful to those who are struggling or have struggled. He says, and others save them with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. But now, not un, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Man, how great is that? That the Lord asks us to be merciful and gracious to those And to show them and to pull them out of the fire. That's a, that's a pretty hard thing for us to consider, isn't it? Those going through difficulties. We know this here. We've had members here that are not with us because of some difficulty or some trouble that they've had in life. And they wouldn't heed counsel or they wouldn't take, uh, take advice. But we still have something to do with those folks, don't we? We do in one way or another. Even though they're excluded from the church, they still have our they should still should have our attention because they're still a member even though they're excluded. Because why? We should have a desire that they are delivered from their present current condition. And how do we do that? We show them Jesus. Be merciful to them. He says what? And of the others save, uh, others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. That goes against the human mind, doesn't it? To save someone that you feel has wronged you or done something that you're not supposed to, where, you know, most people will just say, that's it. They're cut off. They're not doing what they're supposed to. I've talked to them. They're not doing it. Just, that's it. We're done with them. 
Jesus went to the Pharisees continually. The apostles went to the Pharisees. The disciples went to the Pharisees and Sadducees. Why? They didn't have the New Testament promises like you and I enjoy. They have access to it. Wouldn't that be the exact same reason we should continue to go to them? Apply that to today. Our brothers and sisters that are not with us. They still are deserving of that. Our time and our effort and our desire to show love to them. Despite what difficulties they fling at us. So what is the warning we find in the scripture? We're warned of placing limitations on our God and upon ourselves to do the Lord's work. He encourages us to examine ourselves according to scripture to see if we we reconcile. We've talked about that. But he also warned us that if our righteousness doesn't exceed that of the Pharisees and the Pharisees and, and the, the scribes, we won't likewise enter the kingdom of heaven. No, but it's it's possible. It's possible that those things could happen. But yet, while we have the opportunity to minister to those who would hear us, we have a duty. Just like the slave we talked about over there who said, my master delayed coming and he begins to beat the slaves. We don't have that authority to beat them into subjection. What we do is we have a, we have a duty and an obligation to serve our God and to minister to them and to do what he's called us to do. Lest we end up like those who didn't hear. So the encouragement in here in the scripture serves as a warning for us. Don't be high and lifted up. Be humble. Serve the Lord and carry out His ministry as He would have us to. And we have an obligation and a duty to, to, to labor and to save those who are having these difficulties in life. And to implore those who are less than fortunate to come and serve at Jesus' feet. That's our commission, to serve the Lord. That's all I have for you this morning. I went 15 after.